Welcome to the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating. From angels to energy healing, from mystical places to mystical teachings, this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul. My guest today is David Strickle. He is a channeler, author, and spiritual teacher. Since childhood, he has received messages and channeled divine information from what he simply refers to as the stream and has developed a mindset practice co-created with the stream's guidance and its teachings rooted in universal law called the Taya practice. His book, The Stream, Eternal Wisdom for a Better Life, shares the true nature of the universe and will guide its readers on a deeper understanding of the law of attraction, polarity, energy, and vibration. I have him here today on the podcast to break all this down in service to helping people change their lives forever. Well, David Strickle, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's really great to have you. It's good to be here. I, I consider myself a spiritual geek already, so this is the perfect place. Oh, to be. perfect! You're you're part of the tribe. I love it. This will be easy. From the starting point, maybe we could cue up our conversation today from your childhood, where it kind of all began, and how the stream came in, how this childhood um, seeded your future work and gave you a deeper perspective on the universe and life and the law of attraction. Sure. And that's a, a, a 40 year process in the making. I'm 53 now. So I'm about 13 years into kind of getting it. The first 40 were practice, right? And I'm still a student of and will be forever. But I, re I remember now very vividly as a child feeling very different than everybody else that was around me. I felt very adult. Uh, I felt like I had sort of an understanding of the world and, and even adult life, even when I was a really young child. Uh, and I, I knew that I was different, but I kind of thought everybody had their own version of that happening for them. And I still believe that everybody does have their own version of the stream. Of course, it's source energy that's coming to all of us. But I think that we are really programmed to tune that out either through religion or just cultural teachings or just paying attention to what's going on in the 3D world around us and, and being taught that all of that spiritual woo-woo stuff is for crazy people and that you really need to focus on, on 3D, you know, hard work and all of that kind of stuff that we're taught. And I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to that. I, I was very fortunate in that I had very disconnected parents from my life. My father left when I was six. My mother uh, fought for custody really to get back at my father for leaving and then turned around, moved us away and said, oh, by the way, I never wanted to have either one of you. <laughs> and I don't want to be a parent anymore. So I was kind of stuck. My father went on and started a second family and he had a daughter and a wife and a beautiful home and a happy life. And, and my brother and I really weren't part of that equation. And our mother more or less retreated to her bedroom. She She worked had a great work ethic. She worked hard her whole life. Uh, but when work was done, she came home and locked herself in her room. She didn't want to be a parent. So from age six on, I was left to my own devices. And I grew up in a very interesting environment uh, where I was exposed to people from all walks of life very early on. And that really shaped who I became. And by the time I was a teenager, I 
wasn't a high functioning person at that point. I was dyslexic, so I wasn't a good student. Uh, I was pretty aimless in life, although I was ambitious and I wanted to be and do and have a lot of things. I just wasn't sure how to get there. There was the knowing part of me that said, you can do all of it. And then there was the 3D world that was telling me, you are the son of a broken home growing up in poverty. You can't have anything. So there was this push and pull for me until I, the, the 3D part got so uncomfortable that I had no choice but to ignore it. I didn't, uh, you know, turn to drugs or crime or anything like that. Uh, you know, somehow I really did allow that source guidance to to carry me through all of that stuff or the potential for all that stuff. And I got into my teen years and I started manifesting in my teens. How did you manifest? I, I've heard this story uh, a little bit in some of your uh, talks you sent me, your, your masterclass. And that is a fascinating um little tidbit that I wanted to touch upon that you grew up in, in pretty rough and tumble circumstances. You didn't have much money, but you, as you say, ignored the 3d world, your conditions that were surrounding you yet you were able to manifest nice clothes or a nice watch you mentioned in a nice car. What did you do to do that? Yeah. And I'll back up a little bit there that I believe that everything is a manifestation. So when I say manifest, manifest intentionally is what I really mean. Everything is a manifestation, but I did get more intentional. And when you are a poor kid uh, growing up in a minimum wage, single parent household, and you're surrounded by people that are sort of upper middle income, which my extended family was my cousins, my half sister, they lived in beautiful houses and, and, and had upper middle-class lives. And we were exactly the opposite. We had nothing. We were eating a can of beans for dinner and, you know, and had roaches crawling on us at night and things like that in this apartment where we lived. So we, we had a very unusual existence in that we were really poor. We were the, uh, you know, the outcasts of the family, if you will, but the people around us had money. So we, we had that exposure. So I had awareness of it, which to me actually made it worse. So By the time I was 14, I remember this big turning point. It was 1982. I remember it very vividly standing and telling my older brother that if you believed that you were something, you would become that thing and that that magic would happen and that the universe would essentially send you what you believed. I didn't know what it was called. I thought it was something I actually invented. Uh, At one point, I thought I created the law of attraction at one point. And I remember him thinking that I was crazy and I really believed it. I just knew that it was so. And so moving into the the teen years, I can't even really describe how I always had magical things happening to me. And sometimes it was just an opportunity to make money. Certainly sometimes there was work involved, but a lot of times it was just magical how things would appear, clothes, watch, a new car. And so in high school, other than where I slept at night, you would have thought I was one of the rich kids in town. I was manifesting the things that I wanted magically. And I continued that really throughout my adult life. Uh, By the time I was 19, uh, I had not finished high school on time. I was not a good student ever. I was dyslexic. Uh, I was always told that I was very bright, but I was lazy. Uh, This was the 1980s in Louisiana public schools. They didn't really know what dyslexia was all about, or if they did, they didn't bother with it much. Uh, And so I didn't graduate on time. So I went actually to a kind of like a vocational school and got a GED. 
And in that GED program, they actually diagnosed me as a dyslexic. Mm-hmm. And it all sort of added up and made sense when they did that. And then they actually allowed me to learn to that. And I took this GED equivalency and graduated high school. I never stepped foot in a classroom again after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by and that was uh, 18. I did that. It was right around the time I should have graduated from high school and didn't. Uh, and then I started my own business at 19. And again, I was doing things that I wasn't supposed to be able to do. I had no money. You know, we were the poor people in town and I was approaching uh, real estate developers and attorneys and bankers and landholders. And I put together a real estate development in 19 mm. and they paid attention to me and took me seriously, which is insane. Who pays attention to a 19 year old? But they did. And so I got that going. And then carried that through my adult life. I didn't stay in that business. I learned a ton of things in it, but I ended up moving over into the corporate world because my beliefs sort of realigned that if I got into this corporate, uh, you know, corporate path, that that was my path to financial abundance. And I followed that path for over 20 years and it worked. Mm. I had a path to financial abundance, climbing a corporate ladder that I had no business on from a 3D perspective ending up in a position as a vice president reporting to a CEO of a company where people that worked for me had to have a master's in business administration. Mm-hmm. And I had a 10th grade education and a GED. But a lot of confidence and a clear path of knowing at an early age. Well, the confidence for sure. And uh, the confidence came from the stream though, not from my mother, right. not from my you know upbringing that told me that I was going to end up in prison or dead. Or uh, right. my father used to tell me I was going to be a ditch digger. My mother used to say, you're going to end up being on drugs. Right. You know, that was my, that was my path as laid out by my parents because my father was an educator uh, and my mother was just someone that wasn't interested in being a parent. So I didn't have that, that sort of loving, uh, motivating attention from my family, but I did have it from source. And I really had to rely on that. Interesting. So I'm going to stay on this because this is really fascinating. And I really want to know, and some people that I've shared your story with, they really want to know. So that first moment, you're living in this roach infested apartment, but you're wearing a nice watch. Where did the watch come from? How did you manifest that? Where did it come from? What did you do? That's what I want to. You know, I, I don't even remember where it came from. Oh, okay. I remember the, the car was more interesting. Well, how did you get the car? The car is very interesting. So I had gotten a job. I was working at Wendy's and how in my hometown. I'm in, in Louisiana making, you know, $3 and 25 cents an hour, working a few hours a week. Okay. And there was something that turned with my mother. And this is a woman who, again, I was not a good student. Um, we didn't have a good relationship. My mother, you know, she'd already told me she didn't want me. She hated me. Uh, she even told me to kill myself one time. I was really in, in bad shape around age 14 uh, at that big turning point. When I was really hitting right bottom. That was a big turning point for me. And she told me that I was stupid like her. And I pushed back on that. And then she told me that I should just kill myself. Mm-hmm. And that was a big wake up call for me. And then something changed in me. And then when something changed in me and I really started seeing her clearly, actually through appreciation, like, wow, you know, if you're if you're in that space where you're telling your own child, I was her baby, I was her youngest child, right? Or it should have been like her baby, to kill to kill yourself. Where and I just had that clarity. Where is she that she's telling me that? I got I released that victim vibration. And the interesting thing is, is that I got my driver's license way back then. You could get a driver's license at 15, at least in Louisiana, you could get one at 15. And I got a driver's license and some of the rich kids in town were getting cars and stuff. And I really wanted a car. And one day she said, let's go get you a car. 
And we went to a a dealership uh, in the next town over and she signed for it and we bought a car. Was it a brand new car or? Yeah, it was a brand new car. And where did she get the money for the car? Do you know? She didn't have the money for the car. And for a long time, I just, I always had the money for the car until I did anymore. That was a spin out. But I had a brand new car through a, a nice chunk of high school, a very nice brand new car with every bell and whistle, sunroof, you know, everything that you can imagine on it. So when you, when you go back and try to pick it apart, it's not logical, but the more logical you try to get with the law of attraction, the more you are creating what I call static in it. Hmm. If you don't allow the magic and you can't imagine or wrap your head around the magic, then you are the one that's putting the roadblocks up from allowing it to happen. Hmm. Well, that's a really good point because I do think people are always Oh yeah, how you well you're doing that right now, right? You're saying 3D and everybody does. So it's a great way to to explore this. Yeah. How did this happen? I want to know exactly how this happened. Yes. And if I look back on how it happened, it sounds insane. It sounds insane, but I got out of the way of the universe. So here is this mother who is not a doting mother. I had no I had no reason to have a new car. I hadn't improved a damn thing in my life. I had I wasn't start, start suddenly making straight A's or anything like that. I detuned her as a transgressor though. And that's a big part of our work is that instead of me doubling down on that victim vibration of my mother is a monster, she's a horrible person, she doesn't love me, she told me to kill myself, that was a turning point. Yeah. Like, wow, you know, you're in such a dark place that you're saying that to me, where are you coming from that you're this miserable? Right. And I that detuning shifted the relationship and then that path opened up for me to have my manifestation. And I had it and I enjoyed it until I stopped believing it. And then it was gone. Right. It was a good learning experience for everything is just an amazing learning experience, but it showed me how magical the universe can react because there was no reason for her to do that. And there was no history of her doing anything like that. Yet she did. Hmm. I think it's also what's coming forward for me is a feedback of how you were holding or standing or being in the universe that you were open to receiving that gift of a car and you weren't blocking it. You were just open to whatever came your way and you weren't blocking, oh, this isn't possible. You just were going about yeah. your your way. Well, in my book, I talk about manifesting the car and then I talk about demanifesting the car. So it's what we call a spin out. When you have something that's starting to um, come together and then the, we get really deep into polarity where your vibration is not just up all the time. And you have a high vibration about something. It's very easy to trust it and it stays and it shows up and it stays. But then when the vibration drops, are you still trusting? And that's why a lot of times we stay in this recurring loop of things not working or we get a new job and we think it's going to be great. Everyone's wonderful. And then six months later, it's exactly like the last job mm-hmm. or the last you know flow of money or the last relationship. That's a very common thing across humanity. And the Taya practice, I don't want to say that we've solved it because we haven't solved polarity. You're not going to solve that. We learn how to operate with it. So the manifestation of that first car and then the unraveling of it was a great lesson for me. Because I never had that happen with, you know, I'm a car person. I've always loved having a nice car. I can, I, you, you cannot begin to count how many, you know, wonderful cars I've had throughout my lifetime. That first one was a great, great lesson because I manifested it and then I demanifested it. And since then, I've never had that happen again, though. 
Mm-hmm. I've gone from, you know, car that I love to car that I love to car that I love to car that I love. And it's just been the string of, of success because I believe it. I love how a lot of your work to me, it really lines up with uh, spiritual psychology, tenets of spiritual psychology, because you talk about your transgressors, you talk about these, we would call them stackers. It's just another word for the same thing. And you talk a lot about really reframing. It's like the gift of having disconnected parents. It is in a reframe, just that it's a gift because it left you to your own devices and you had the opportunity therefore to cultivate um, a way of being that you may have not been pushed to cultivate if everything was handed to you. I certainly see um, children, like I think of some children that I know that are friends with my son and they are products of very, very, very wealthy celebrity families and everything is handed to them. And it's kind of creating, not all of them, but I see a common thread of a sort of mental paralysis because everything's handed to them and they don't get the gift of their own transgressors. They have them just by virtue of being human, they will have contrast. But when contrast comes up, something is immediately remedied by being given a gift or a thing or an extra baseball glove or, you know, let's not make him cry. And that can really stifle the growth of someone being a powerful creator. I thought maybe you could talk about that in terms of your work, in terms of maybe the virtual vibrational spiral and how you reframe um, transgressors in your life as gifts for the um, the ability for us, the inherent ability for us to work with that as a means to manifest what we want and become more powerful in our world, in our lives? That's a long question. <laughs> <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote down two parts of it because I'm like, okay, there's two really important things here yeah. uh, that are separate, but not really. So the, the first thing is all of our teachings are rooted and what I refer to as vibrational flow or polarity, uh, as is often known, and, and we're all aware of polarity. And one of the things that I always do in all of the teachings that we offer is I give you an example that you can identify with in your life and give you tools that you can actually experiment on yourself. So nothing is I said so, or because I said so, or because it's somebody's theory, it's here's what you can do and go try it and prove it to yourself and see if it works for you. Because these are very, very common tools because polarity impacts all beings. And we're aware of polarity because our emotions are expressed in our vibration. So there are days that we are feeling good and we're up and we're loving the world and we're loving life and we're dreaming and we believe those dreams, they feel good when we dream them. That's what I call high vibration. We're up in that higher vibrational register. And then inevitably in time, for whatever reason, just because of polarity or perhaps because of our projected thoughts, our vibration can drop. And that that lower vibration is where we go back and revisit those thoughts that we were thinking maybe just hours or, or a day prior and making all these big plans. And then we think they're ridiculous. You know, you, you, you sit on a Sunday and the weather is nice and you're so relaxed and you're just in this amazing space and you start daydreaming about moving to a different place or starting a new business 
or getting back into the dating scene or whatever it is, and you feel good about it. Yeah, I can do that. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can do that. That's totally doable. I can totally see myself doing that. And then Monday rolls around and you're more in get it done mode in your life, perhaps your vibration's not as high. And then those thoughts come back around and they don't feel as good. Gosh, that's how's that going to work? You know, that, that didn't work last time. People like me don't do things like that. I better just stay right where I am and not take that chance. So that's an example of the virtual vibrational spiral. We have a, a high vibrational register and then we can uh, spiral all the way down to despair, to desperation and everything in between. And the reason that we talk about meditation in spiritual circles so much is because when, the more you quiet your mind, the more you naturally move up the spiral. It's sort of, it's, it's like there's a magnet up there. I call it like the magnet of source that's yeah. always calling us up there, but we drown it out. We start going up and then our triggers and our voice of limiting beliefs and all these things that we develop in ourselves sort of chimes in. So to go back to the topic that you started out with, with these, these uh, people that are uh, of privilege, if you will, yeah. um, the, the, the idea of vibrational flow is interesting because it guarantees that we are going to manifest some forms of contrast in our lives, no matter what, no matter how wealthy our parents are, no matter how loving our parents are, we're going to manifest some some obstacles. We're going to meet people that we don't like. We're going to have uh, things that we observe that we don't want to see. We're going to have uh, you know people uh, express ideas that we don't agree with, and those things are going to lower our vibration. And when we lower our vibration, we are sort of unraveling our positive manifestations and starting to attract some obstacles. So that's why it's interesting that you brought up uh, you know these children that are spoiled. I cannot uh, share a, a story of a child being spoiled any more than my immediate cousins, and especially my sister. As poor as we were, my sister, one year for Christmas, and she was, uh, my, my father and stepmother built this new custom house outside of Houston, and her grandparents, she wanted a swimming pool, and her parents didn't have the money to also put the swimming pool into this beautiful house. Her grandparents gave her a $50,000 swimming pool for Christmas. So that was my sister's Christmas present the same year that I was handed a $100 bill. And I was happy to have the $100 bill, but the disparity between the way my sister was living, my father's, you know, younger child and the way his two sons was huge. Yeah. So that was what I grew up in. So, you know, I was happy to have a hundred dollar bill so I could go and buy some clothes to wear to school. And my sister was getting a hot tub in a, you know, in in a swimming pool in her backyard. So I grew up around that and I saw though, how she created other contrasts in her life as she moved into her teen years. Before that, life was great. She had everything, but then having everything didn't turn out to be the best thing. She's a high-functioning adult now. I'm not you know, here to bash my sister in any way, but I, I have people in my life that I saw were handed everything. And then when we got a little older, I started seeing that, ah, you know, having everything handed to you isn't what it appears to be because you still have problems is the point. Right. Yeah, it does stunt. And sometimes they manifest huge problems, you know, drug addiction and, you know, all sorts of things can manifest, you know, from having everything handed to you, you're going to find contrast somewhere. Yeah, agreed. Some people I counsel that come from very wealthy families, there's a common thread there. And I remember one client I had some years ago, and he grew up with his dad, a billionaire, and he could never match or meet, you know, the success of his father, but everything's always been handed to him. So on paper, it looks like everything is just fantastic. <laughs> and he went through every drug um, in the book and, um, and he said, 
I have so much choice and freedom. I don't know what to do with myself that he would go to drugs to just sort of numb the freedom because there was a part of him, a big part of him that was just yearning for contrast <laughs> to not be given all the balls in the basket, but the red or the blue ball, you know? And it's like going to a big strip mall and going, oh my God, it's like overwhelming. Well, I'd rather just go to a few boutiques and choose from there, right? It was just, it was overwhelming for his senses and his growth. And um, he, he's, again, like your sister, fully functioning now, but that was a really interesting soul curriculum for him, that lack of contrast and what it, how it played out in his life. Um, David, you say that trust is if not the most important word in the English language, at least one of them. Can you talk about that? Why is trust so important? Because I, I firmly believe in the law of attraction and that law of attraction is like gravity. It, we're always sticking to the ground. We don't have to even think about it. It just is. Law of attraction is the same way. We're attracting everything that comes to us. And the reason none of us are living in perfection is because we have this amazing thing called polarity that keeps us on this, this vibrational flow up and down all the time. So the idea of being able to trust when you're in high vibration, it comes pretty easily. Like I was saying earlier, I have found that the reason people think the law of attraction doesn't work is because they always have this handful of things they think they need to be happy. And that's their big stuff. Mm-hmm. I need more money. I need a loving relationship. I need to become a parent. I need my own business. I need my dream job. I need those things. Those are the big, important things. And if I don't have those things, then I'm not going to be a happy person. So we fixate on those things. And what happens when we fixate on something? We're thinking about it. We're revisiting it often. So we are revisiting through vibrational flow. So again, when we hatch that idea on a Sunday afternoon, you know, sitting out in beautiful weather, relaxed. Uh, it feels good. We're trusting when we're up there. And then when vi- our vibration drops because of polarity or any number of reasons, usually it's our projected thought combined with polarity. Uh, what I find is, is that the polarity will take our vibration down, but polarity is not in and of itself uh, or that low vibrational space. It's it's a low energy space. And in that low energy space, our triggers come to life. All of those transgressors, all of that stuff from childhood, all of those voices of limiting beliefs, all of that stuff sort of lights up when we're down there. And when we're down there and we allow that stuff to light up, then we revisit those big things. Suddenly we start renegotiating. Oh, gosh, you know, I was thinking yesterday I was going to start this new business and now it just seems ridiculous. It was just a day ago mm-hmm. and now it just seems so stupid. I was so silly to think that that's not practical at all. I can't do that right now. Or, you know, I've been trying to uh, we've been trying to have a child for months and months and months. And, you know, why is this next thing going to be the thing that works? Nothing else has worked. This isn't going to work either. We're just wasting our money or, you know, whatever it is, we start to renegotiate because we lose the ability to trust as our vibration goes down. So in Taya, we have four components of this practice that combined together allow you to eliminate all of those triggers and all of that lower vibrational stuff so that the low vibrational flow just becomes an experience of lower vibration. And you, you're eliminating the voice of limiting beliefs. You're eliminating all of that darkness and you do it through appreciation. I actually did a masterclass yesterday uh, and we had a huge turnout and 
from the time that we started to the time that we ended, it went for two solid hours. And we were talking about this concept of radical appreciation. After two hours, only four people had jumped off. Mm-hmm. I was shocked. I don't know that I would stay on a masterclass for two solid hours. And we had that many people doing it. So everybody was riveted by this concept of radical appreciation, because when you radically appreciate everything, you start to detune your triggers. So when you detune your triggers, you're not, you're not sent racing down the spiral anymore because of something that you see on social media or even observe it just in life. You aren't, uh, you're not revisited or haunted by your past anymore. We detune that stuff. So it makes the down the spiral time, that downward flow, a very different experience. It's not as good as it is up, but you can trust. You can trust your abundance, whether you're up or whether you're down. And that's where we want to get people to in the practice is that ability to trust through their vibrational flow. Because even when you're in that lower energy space, you can still, once you really understand the universal process of creation, you can trust it. So that's why I say law of attraction is a component, but I call the whole thing the universal process of creation, which is the law of attraction plus polarity, because the law of attraction is very much governed by polarity. We can't escape that. But there's so many people out teaching just about law of attraction. That's kind of the first half of it. Polarity and cleaning up your your thoughts is the second half, which is so important. You know, the idea of sitting in your house and dreaming of a bicycle and having it just magically appear on your lawn, you know, it's not just that. You've got to get to where you trust. So I had the watch and the car and the clothes magically appear when I was in high school, but it was because I trusted that I was worthy of that stuff, even though all of my 3D circumstances was was contradictory to that. Mm. Looking back at that time, in hindsight, did you consciously know you were trusting or do you just recognize now that you were just in a space of of a allowing or a trust oh, the tr- the the uh the understanding of it came over time for sure yeah i got all the way into my 40s i was 40 41 before i really started to dig into this mm-hmm. because since i grew up poor i thought money equaled happiness right so what happened i spent the first 20 years of my adult life manifesting money and material things. So I had a high paying job. Uh, Money always kind of flowed one way or the other. It wasn't always perfect, certainly, but it flowed one way or the other. I always lived in a nice home and drove a great car and had nice clothes and good experiences. Life materially was really, really good. But my entire decade of my 30s, I was miserable in that entire decade. That was my uh, you talk about shadow. That was my shadow decade of my life was my entire 30s. I cannot point to anything that was really working other than money and material things through my entire 30s. I was in the worst health of my life. I was in the uh, very non-functioning romantic relationship. I was making a lot of money, but I had actually shifted this belief system that I had to be climbing this corporate ladder to bring that money in. So it's sort of like I misused everything that was available to me because I grew up poor thinking money was it. So I ended up at 40, right around the time I uh, turned 40, I'd moved from Florida to Seattle, Washington, and we bought the dream house, this big 4,200 square foot house and furnished it, completely decorated it. We had a Mercedes. We had uh, just gotten rid of a Porsche and we'd gotten a Jeep since we moved up there. Uh, So two brand new nice cars in the, in the garage every nice thing you can imagine in the house, custom drapery, you know, just everything, everything you can imagine. I remember walking through that house one day thinking, gosh, I remember when I was a kid 
if I would imagine living in this house, I would have thought this is it. This is the pinnacle of happiness. I've got everything you can ever want to be happy. I wasn't a billionaire, but still I had all the things I thought I needed. I'm like, well, why in the hell am I not happy? You know, why am I in this, this, everything else is wrong and this is all that's right. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started meditating really for the first time, as much as I had the stream sort of flowing to me and my down moments, I really started to go look for it for the first time ever. And I'd already been to psychics to try to figure out why I was different. I'd already been told that I was a channel. I didn't want any part of it. I didn't want any part of anything spiritual. I thought it was all weird. I, you know, I just wanted to be quote unquote normal. And that's when I was so miserable because I didn't want to be judged. And I was judging spirituality and I was judging that part of me. So I started meditating and almost immediately I had a Kundalini awakening. This energy just erupted at the base of my spine that electrified me. And that continues to this day. And over that course of my the decade of my 40s, I started allowing the stream to flow and I started identifying it as a channeled message. And then toward the end of my 40s, I started speaking it and sharing it. Mm-hmm. And then I started my podcast. And by the time I was 50, I had the podcast, I had my book, and I was quitting my corporate job with no plan, just quitting my job. And I'm going to figure it out. And it's worked out really well. Well, there's a lot to talk about in what you just shared. Thank you for that. I, as you say, you were um, judging spirituality. Well, we could flip it for people that are listening and really um, struggling with the material abundance that is here in our 3D world. Or maybe, um, and I say this as lovingly as possible, just as a consideration, um, that maybe they are judging how they perceive money. Like, are they judging people that are wealthy as being bad? Are they judging people that have more as being bad or what have you? Um, And to your point, I think of uh, one person that, uh, I I live near Beverly Hills, so there's a lot of of money in the area of Los Angeles, as you can imagine. And, um, And my clients run the gamut from single parents to Oscar winners and everything in between. And I'll never forget one of my clients that I was counseling some years ago. And of course, he goes nameless, but it was a fascinating moment for me because in the depth of his despair, he had all the money you could imagine, millions and millions and millions of dollars. I think he was a billionaire too, who knows? Might as well have been, who cares? But the point is that was not his curriculum, but he was in the, so, so judging of himself in the comparison of his, with his neighbors because he said he had a G5 um, plane, but his neighbors, his neighbors had a G7. Oh, no. And yeah. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> I just was astonished. And, uh, and it was just like, wow, you know, no matter what, it will never be enough. Never, it never. That's, that's the thing. It will the never stream be- has said that if your version of happiness is money and material things, there's never enough. There'll never be enough because you keep thinking that, gosh, if I get one more thing, if I get a bigger this or another that, then I'm finally going to cross that line of happiness. That's right. And then you get there and you realize the bigger your life is, the, the more moving parts there are and, and the more distractions there are. That's right. So, what the stream has said, and I love this, there's absolutely nothing wrong with material things. Anything that we look upon in appreciation is an expression of source. I'm a car guy. 
And one of the cars I have not yet manifested that I would like to have, it's not a, a priority at this point, but I'd love to have a Rolls Royce convertible. Love, I, I love just anything that has that much attention to detail to it. I really appreciate. Art to and the, what's that? It's art to you. Yes. And, and well, in the stream, it said, well, think about it. Think of how the love and attention that goes into producing that and right. the high vibration around that car, that is an expression of source. Mm-hmm. We don't like to say that because it sounds evil because not everyone can have a Rolls Royce according to our 3D world, right? And I don't think everybody's on a vibrational path to have a Rolls Royce, but it is an expression of source. We can look upon it in appreciation and appreciate it and enjoy it, whether we ever actually own it or not, first of all. And secondly, there's certainly, there's no judgment from source. And I'm very, very certain about this for myself and my belief system. There is no judgment from source whatsoever about what's going on on planet earth because it all serves a purpose. The purpose of expansion of consciousness is served by our physical expression. So source isn't judging us the way we judge each other and ourselves. So something that we do in the Thai practice is called zooming out where we zoom out to the source perspective. We're actually zooming in if you think about it because it's in us, but I like the idea of zoom out to a higher perspective and refocus on whatever you're looking at through the eyes of source, which is non-judgment. We don't stay there because we're human beings, we're flesh and, and, and bone, and we are in 3D. So we weave in and out of this in vibrational flow. But being able to adapt that, uh, adopt that source perspective in any moment is very, very freeing because I feel so much clarity when I look through that lens of non-judgment of how someone else is operating their lives or of myself or of anything. So the idea of material things, they're not good nor evil, but thinking that that's the key to happiness, if you're not joyful without it, then you're not going to be joyful. So the Thai practice is all about, we used to call it awakening to abundance, get joyful first, and then see how easy abundance actually flows once you're authentically joyful, meaning not judging, because there's a lot of people that have a version of source connection that is joyful, but somehow they attach this idea that poverty is something noble in all of that. Mm -hmm. And then they're not actually enjoying everything that earth has to offer them. And that's too bad because I believe everyone has the ability to be as abundant as they allow themselves to manifest. But I also know that if you're not born into financial abundance, there are so many amazing gifts in the journey to abundance, however long it takes. And then you look back in appreciation and realize, God, that was the perfect path. That decade of my 30s, even though I say it was a miserable decade, it was not a wasted decade. Mm -hmm. That fueled me to get to where I am now, and I would not change a thing about it. Yeah, beautifully said. And like you said, you wouldn't change a thing about it because, in essence, they were spiritual stepping stones. And it was grace. I had to teach myself those lessons. And we teach ourselves those lessons through our vibrational flow. We say, a lot of times people say the universe sent me that to teach a lesson. Well, really we're attracting everything. So polarity exists to take you down your spiral so that you manifest some unwanted things. And we all do. And then we, we have the opportunity to learn and expand in the unwanted things, no matter what they are. We have that opportunity always, and you can really double down on the victim vibration if you want, but then you're not really seeing the gift that is offered. And at this point, I have worked with people that have had children murdered, 
I have worked with people who have been severely abused in their lives. I have worked with people, I've worked with a, a billionaire whose biggest problem was, guess what? Everyone wanted money from them in their life. Everyone, including parents, including children, including siblings, you know, every single person in their life wanted money from them. And that was a big problem. Yeah, I've heard that before. As you're talking, it makes me think of a spiritual psychology tenant that just popped into my head. And it's really outer world reality is a direct reflection of inner world reality or your inner state or your vibration. So before we go into you channeling, which I'm really excited to have you do, I'm just curious, what is your definition, David? Or maybe I should ask, what is the stream's definition? And you can answer this either way. What is your definition of abundance? Abundance is whatever you are desiring to experience. So it's your desires, whatever that is. So whatever you want to experience in a 3D way, because if you move beyond 3D, that zoomed out perspective, you just are abundant. But when we speak of abundance from a 3D perspective, it's what are you wanting to experience? Is it abundance of health? Is it abundance of joy? Is it abundance of love? Is it abundance of money? Is it an abundance of beautiful homes? Is it an abundance of, of whatever it is, serendipitous moments, travel? You get to label your version of abundance. And I have found that it shifts. In fact, people that come into our boot camp program, a lot of times they will come in wanting something very specific. Sometimes it's money, sometimes it's a business, sometimes it's a specific thing they're wanting to solve that's very painful. In fact, more times than not, it's that. And, and as they move through the program, when they graduate, the things that they manifest, the thing they said they wanted back here when they started, they get it, but it's four or five you know, rungs down the ladder in importance to them once they get there. It's yeah. always that joy and clarity. We talk about joy, clarity, and abundance, and notice yeah. the abundance comes third, because really, when you get to that state of joy, of self-love, of eliminating your transgressors through appreciation, radical appreciation, then you don't need that stuff so much anymore. Yeah. And when you step out of that vibration of need, then suddenly you're actually freeing up the energy for things to flow in. And I have found that if I get out of the way of the how, and that's why when you start asking about the how, I'm like, you know, sometimes I can't even tell you how I manifest stuff because I found that if I get out of the way of the how, the universe has an amazing way of doing an even better job than I could ever think of, of allowing it to be. Mm. My, my life since I quit my job in 2000, it was the end of 2017, I left my corporate job. and. When I did, I, I had a very high income and allowing the path to survive and thrive without that paycheck that I had been dependent upon for 20 plus years was a magical journey. And it wasn't one of perfection. Mm -hmm. I tell the story about walking into, you know, Ralph's, I live in Southern California, walking into Ralph's with a coupon for bacon. The first time I ever used a coupon in my life, thinking about I can buy bacon and tuna, and I had a $32,000 Rolex on my wrist. You know, I couldn't afford groceries that week. You know, I had the cash that was in my pocket, and that was it because I really had a spin out financially. And that ended up being the most amazing thing ever for me to experience that financial spin out. Like, wow, I went through all my money doing this thing that I love. And then it starts to turn around. And then it gets really, really amazing. I didn't have to sell my watch to do it. So, you know, it's that allowing the spin outs and the joy of the unraveling of things, understanding that vibrational flow serves to take our vibration down, to allow things to unravel and allow contrast that gives us the opportunity to create even bigger and better and more brilliant. Hmm. 
Can you offer, before we go into your channeling, can you offer a directive to just get people that are feeling stuck or feeling um, like they can't manifest or they're in their judgment or they're just on that low vibration? Can you offer a directive of what they can do right now? There's a lot of moving parts to shifting because we're programmed, right? Our subconscious mind is an operating system, just like our computers come with an operating system. But we have the power to upgrade that operating system. But I love that you you pinpointed the one thing. If you want one thing that will start moving you in the right direction, it's learning to quiet the voice of limiting beliefs. Yes. And the tool that I came up with, this was years ago. I took that that little voice in my head and I used to always talk about, I have this voice in my head and its favorite thing is to play the let's beat up on David game. That's the, you know, you're too this, you're not enough that, you'll never be that, you're not good enough, whatever that is. And I realized that that voice was like this loop that would play. So mentally, I visualized removing it from my energy, from my being, and moving it out here to the side is just this little thought bubble that pops up that would speak to me that was external for me. Okay. And I, in that imagination, I gave it an identity that didn't have any meaning in my life whatsoever. I called it Claude. I didn't know anybody named Claude. Claude wasn't somebody from my past. It was its own unique identity, Claude. And then when that voice would come in, I would stop and recognize, oh, that's Claude. And I would visualize it being over here. And I would say, you know, mentally, I wouldn't say it out loud, you know, usually, especially not in public, shut up, Claude. I don't want to hear that right now, Claude. I don't have time for you. I would start muting it. Mm. And what I noticed happened over time is that Claude shrunk and got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller over time to where Claude rarely showed up. And now Claude doesn't show up at all. And it took work to get there, but it's a fun little game. You don't have to tell anybody you're doing it. You can visualize this thought bubble, give it an identity that doesn't have any other identity in your life and just start recognizing it. Ah, That's not me. That's Claude. Mm -hmm. When you make it something external, you claim power over it. Yeah. And you can do it. We teach this to people all over, all over the world and you can do it. Give it an identity, mute it, shut it down and be diligent about it. And sometimes you're going to be better at it than others. You know, again, vibrational flow, but the more you do it, the more you practice it the more that voice is going to go away. And then realize there are times that when you're wanting to grow and expand and do something and that voice kicks in, no, you can't, you shouldn't do that. Don't take that risk. Don't do that thing. That's Claude. What's Claude's intention? Claude's intention is to limit you. And so you are there to mute Claude. Mm. As you're talking, I go, well, this is really gestalt therapy. You're really doing a form of gestalting with yourself. You're taking an aspect of a disintegrated part of yourself and you're integrating it by putting it outside of you and going, okay, you don't have power over me. I'm going to give you a name. I'm going to give you an identity. I'm going to speak to you through my authority, through my higher self, through my conscious self even. And so that you can, like you would the ego, don't make the ego the master, but you take it out here and you hold its hand and you go, I see you, but you're not a giant anymore. You're like my five-year-old. Yeah. And I'm actually, I I really, I'm fond of Claude now, you know, Claude had a place in my life, but Claude is muted. It's, it's, I like how you put that. That's true. Yeah. Very cool. Well, shall we do a little channeling, David? Let's do it. Let's do it. So uh, this is where we collectively meditate, regardless of when you're listening to this. Uh, you, you do the meditation with us. We get quiet for just a moment. We set an intention to have an amazing experience with the stream. The stream is source consciousness. It's in all of us. 
And I have the ability to speak source consciousness for the benefit of others. And that's what the stream is. So we're going to dial them up and you will know when they're here. And by the way, you can ask them anything you want to ask them. There's never anything off limits with stream. Wonderful. <clears throat> I just have to be able to understand the question. So <laughs> they, they, what do they say? Uh, we're limited to David's intellect and vocabulary, <laughs> which is true. <laughs> so no, no Mandarin, okay? <laughs> We are here. Well, thank you for being here. Shall I call you the stream? That is fine. It's important to understand that, that, that we are consciousness. We are not individualized. We do not really have a name. David asked for a name a long time ago. At one time, we told him Philip, but we were being a little playful with him because at that time, he, he was needing to think in terms of a spirit guide and, and a human-like entity. And when he moved beyond the need for that, he came to understand that what lies beyond physical is consciousness. And that consciousness is collective of all that is. And this collective consciousness is expressed in what he shares that he now identifies as the stream. Hmm. So I have a bunch of questions that were collected from some of my listeners when I asked them to share any questions that were on their mind. So this is a collective of questions from a bunch of different <clears throat> individuals who are really in need and really curious the first question I have is, quite simply, why are we here? The purpose of physical expression, and, 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 and we will state that, that what lies beyond physical is what we refer to as the energetic realm, which is indeed consciousness. But that, that consciousness is expressed first in energy. And, and, and you are all aware of the energy. And, and in fact, your, your science is, 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 is very, very focused on the, the energetic realm. But understand that the energetic realm is not something that, that's out somewhere. The energetic realm is all that is. You're in it. The physical expression is, is a 3D experience, if you will, a physical experience. And that physical experience is infinite. And the experience that you are currently in interacting with us in this way is the earth experience, the earth environment. And your choice to express in the earth environment as an extension of that which we are, we, we very often refer to you as strands of consciousness. You, you are a strand of our consciousness. And the, the, the purpose of physical manifestation in the physical experience, the physical expression of that which we are, is to manifest into a contrasting polarized environment. 
because your strand of consciousness expressing itself in physical coming and experiencing an environment that is your co-creation and encountering things that in physical, in the physical experience that you're in, you savor, you enjoy, you appreciate your preferences and moving through what is perceived as a linear experience, seeking out your preferences while also manifesting and experiencing what you may call contrast what you may call unwanted experiences. Notice how those unwanted experiences inspire you to new creation. Think about your individual life experience. There are things that you have encountered that were not your preference, that you had to create something new to move through or beyond. That new creation always is a spark of thought. You, you encounter something and you do not like it. You do not want it. You do not wish to experience it. That inspires you toward new thought. That new thought can, if you so allow, lead you to new creation. And that new creation, the actual creation is the thought, is the improved thought, is the improvement. And notice that when you believe and trust in your improvement, it eventually comes to be. And the reason that it's eventual is because there is a creation process. You can create something new instantaneously, but the universal process of creation will take those things that you spark as a new desire that you are giving a lot of weight to and automatically create this up and down movement, this polarized process where you are trusting and you're believing and you are moving down the spiral to less trust and less belief essentially ensuring that you are creating the new things that you are truly up to speed with, that you are truly ready for, and allowing a creative process that can, if you so allow, ferret out all of the flaws in your idea or your, your desire to until you get to a space where you have created and spun out and created and spun out so many times that you finally allow it just to be. Perhaps you give up on your idea or your creation and then it comes back around to you, or you are steadfast in it and allow the creation of it as you ferret out the obstacles and move through the obstacles and solving them. And then realize that in that up and down process of creation, even though it's taken more linear time than perhaps you would have desired, the end result is a more perfect version of your creation. Therefore, there is this perfect process of creation that's available to all of you. And the only way you ever get it wrong in the 3D perspective is when you give up. However, from our perspective, there is absolutely no getting it wrong because everything that you encounter in your 3D perspective is simply a 3D experience. And all of those collective experiences serve to make you a more sophisticated version of you of your consciousness eternally. And that more sophisticated version, that more sophisticated strand contributes to the collective intelligence. So our expansion is derived from your coming to planet Earth, experiencing your contrast, having your collection of experiences, having your collection of new creations, even having your collection of suffering, if you will, and returning that back to the energetic realm, that creates expansion.
That is the purpose of physical existence. Thank you for that. The next question I have here is, they ask, how do I live out my purpose? It's important to understand that your purpose, as we've just described, ultimately is expansion of consciousness. And that there is no getting the physical experience wrong in terms of expansion of consciousness. Because even a contrasting life that you might consider wrong or bad or not well-lived or all suffering are, are, are completed too soon in your perspective holds value. The, the, the one that is born into poverty and does not make it past the age of three, the one that is born into terminal illness and does not make it past the age of six, the one that, that moves into their teen years or perhaps their early 20s and, and meets their early demise from a drug addiction or something of, of that nature, all of those experiences expand you from a soul consciousness perspective. From, from our perspective, there is no getting this wrong. And from your eternal perspective, which is merged with ours, there is no getting your life experience wrong. Understand that we are here to share with all of you that this journey that you're on as humanity, you have spent a very long period of linear time in what we refer to as society building, social engineering. This is where your governments and your borders and your religions and your rules and all of these things sprung forth from. That served your expansion into much of the, the, the components that you have created for yourself in terms of technology and travel and housing and, and all of the things that you've created for yourselves. But the contrast of that is it's also confined you. It's given you this set of rules and therefore a set of judgments in which you judge against each other and yourselves that hold you away from joy. So understanding that as you work through and release your human judgment and find authentic joy in the releasing of that judgment, you discover your purpose is truly joy. And that joy derives your expansion. That is your purpose. And anything else that you choose along that path is simply the experience that you're choosing. But when you reach authentic joy, you're no longer asking about what your purpose is. Hmm. Wonderful. The next question that I have here is from someone who has lost their job during COVID and has not been able to acquire another job. And they're kind of on their last dime, more or less, just really tight, as you can imagine, and has a family. They ask, what's the best way to remove any blockage they may have around getting a job, acquiring money? so they can put food on the table. We would guide you to, to tune out the, 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 the voice of limiting beliefs that is very often rooted in, in, a, in a victim vibration, feeling like you have no control, feeling like this was something that happened to you and not for you, mm. the feeling like you're on your last dime. In fact, the feeling of you're on your last dime, we would guide you to move past that and not even have your last dime. Because when you get to that, that, that edge of the cliff and there's no dime left to depend on, you have no choice but to be more resourceful in your thinking, allowing that to completely be released and simply turning over to the universe to allow what's next for you. But only you know what's truly going on in your vibration. And the way that you know what's going on in your vibration is how is your life being expressed? So if, if the 
availability of dollars isn't rolling in, the first thing we would guide you to do is to separate the availability and the flow of, of dollars from the actual employment. Separate those two things out and move to, to your, your place of trust in the universal process of creation and do what you need to do to detune the transgressors around all of that. The things that make you not trust and all, and, and all of the things that you have created in your belief system up until now that you hold the power to detune. And in your detuning of them, you're allowing more magic to come in from the universe. And then understand that that does not necessarily have to look like employment because the more the more caveats you place on your desires, the more weights you are placing on that scale. So if it has to be a job and it has to be a certain kind of job and it has to be in a certain geographic area and it has to have a certain set of things, you are weighing all of that down. Where if you take all of the weights off of that scale and allow it to fly, then all of a sudden the universe has that window of opportunity to come in and deliver abundance to you in magical ways, ways that you will not even be able to explain or describe to others because it just keeps working out and keeps working out and something else opens up for you. And pretty soon you're learning to trust the universe. And before long, you are on this new rhythm of allowing abundance in a way that perhaps you're not even able to think of when you're stuck down in that, I do not have a job vibration. Mm, thank you. I love that. Next question is, I believe I'm a channeler now and I can open these pathways. Oh, how can they ask how they believe they're a channeler and they want to know how they can open these pathways more to source Holy spirit, their spirit guides and divine connection. Understand that, that in your own ways, you are all a channel essentially because you all have your version of this coming to you. That does not necessarily mean that you are all on the same journey of sharing it this way. But certainly if you feel compelled that you are, we guide you to trust it and to understand that all of these external descriptions of what that may be, there were several different descriptions of the same essential energy just offered. All of those different descriptions are very often the humanizing of the energetic realm, which it's very common for, for, for humans to do this because it's your point where, where, where you are able to make sense of things that are coming to you. But when you release that idea of what is it that's coming to me, is it God, is it spirit, is, is, is it a ascended master, is it a spirit guide, it is all source. The energetic realm is, is, is not a collection of individual identities. It is all the same. So you can call it whatever you want, but if, if trying to identify and pinpoint what it is, is creating confusion, we would guide you to detune the confusion and just allow that high vibrational thought process to flow and understand that when you are in that high vibrational space where you have detuned fear and judgment and, and, and not one of you are going to stay there 100% of the time, but when you allow yourselves to go up to that high vibrational space, you are all channeling source. And when you are channeling source and you are writing, you are thinking, you are speaking even, you can allow that consciousness to flow through you. You all can, mm. but don't, place these big expectations right away, allow the process and understand that the, the joy of the journey is, is everything. That is the manifestation, is the joy and appreciation of the journey. And when you allow yourself to dip into frustration, is this authentically source? Am I doing this right? 
understand that that once again you are weighing down that manifestation of allowing source to flow through you. Beautiful. A stream, if you could please complete these sentences. If I believe, if what I believe determines the quality of my life, then If what you believe determines the quality of your life, and it does, then you have to understand if you wish to manifest intentionally, you don't have to do anything, but if you wish to manifest intentionally, understand that the quality of your life is your vibrational creation. So the whatever's going on in your life at the moment is an expression of where you are vibrationally. And the first thing that we would guide you to do is stop judging it. If it's not what you want it to be and you're judging it as not what you want it to be, what is the signal that you're sending out? When you find appreciation for exactly where you are, how you are, what you are, regardless of what is, the overdrawn bank account, the unhealthy body, the loneliness, the, the perpetuating of those things, the perpetuation of those things is always experienced in the focus on the unwanted aspects of them. Mm. So when you move out of that unwanted aspect, you become the creator of your reality in the appreciation of whatever it is you are currently creating and have created. Once you claim ownership of all of it, even the things that you have absolutely no clue how you could have possibly manifested them. This is where people often chime in and will say, how would I have manifested being abused as a young child? How would I have manifested childhood illness or, or, or being abused as a teenager or something of, of that nature? Don't get so caught up in the how. Understand that polarity automatically is going to deliver contrast. Whether you are asking for it or not is not about you are asking for it uh, as far as your intentions. It is not about deserving it. And it's certainly not about paying a price for something that you did in another space in another lifetime. It is simply vibrational flow. It is simply polarity. And polarity is guaranteeing a mix of experiences for all beings. And your being, your eternal consciousness, the way that you manifest and that is unique to your being, one-off uh, throughout the entire universe even, that one-off uniqueness that is you, your strand of consciousness, your expression of source, how you are reacting to what you are manifesting is exactly what's creating your human operating system. And understand that you created your human operating system as a reaction to everything that you manifested. So instead of questioning how you could have possibly manifested it, start thinking about how you are reacting to things. Because when you are reacting negatively to aspects of your lives, notice that those negative things tend to stick around. Great answer. Thank you. Very powerful. If you could please complete this sentence, source connection looks like. Source connection always is, looks like a constant, cannot be turned off, cannot be shut down, but can be ignored. Your ego consciousness serves to separate you from what is always there. And that serves you in allowing you to have a very imperfect human experience. The imperfect human experience, the contrast, if you will, is exactly what drives you as a physically manifested being to new creation. And your new creation, driven by your contrast, driven by your separation from our energy, 
is exactly what expands your consciousness in the contrasting experience, in the solving of it, however you go about doing that. Even if the solving of it is a return to your completed state of consciousness, which you call death, there is a manifestation in that experience. And when you return to your completed state of consciousness, that omnipresent, omniscient version of you that absolutely exists eternally, then you understand in great clarity that every single experience that you manifested, and you manifest all of them in your life journey, was just that. It was an experience. It is no longer viewed as painful or traumatic or bad or good or evil or any of those things. It's a collection of experiences that you came to planet Earth to have, and you expand in the having of them. Now, take that level of consciousness, which is absolutely available to every one of you, and pull that into your 3D life. And instead of looking at your lives linearly as this collection of things that, that, that happened in a linear way, and some were good and some were bad, break them all up into these little bubbles and create these bubbles as bubbles of appreciation for the experiences that you manifested. Understanding that there were painful things that you moved through and you are very well aware that you are a more sophisticated, smarter, wiser being in your physical being because you had that experience. Now, understand that that level of appreciation for those handful of things can be applied to anything and everything that you've encountered. Mm. Okay. Last but not least, true happiness is found in... True happiness is found in, in love of self because we hold nothing but love for you. And you all have your version of us flowing to you. You all have your own stream. That is why David refers to this as the stream of David. You have your own version of this. We hold nothing but love and appreciation for all that is, including your strand of consciousness. So when you are loving you, purely, authentically loving you, in that moment, you feel our presence. That is joy. That is the most joyful experience that you can possibly have as a being, being completely merged with that which you call source, however you label this. And that is available to all of you, regardless of where you are, how you are at all times. So know that that joy can be found in any moment, in any situation. And the more you focus on that, the more you will manifest that type of connection. And you can make that your new way of being. Joy, more joy, more appreciation, more love of self. It's not about any manifestation whatsoever other than the manifestation of source connection being realized. Much love. That is what we have. Much love to you. Thank you. David Strickle, you're amazing. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for channeling the stream. Thank you for all your wisdom. And thank you for the teachings that I know whoever listens to this I know that it's going to be of such deep value for their lives. So I'm very grateful. And I have all your information on the show notes. Anyone that wants to learn more about his work, where to find him, and of course, to read your book, The Stream. God bless you. And I'm going to stay in my trust. (laughs) That's the place to be. Trust is the key to everything. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. 
If you like what you're hearing here, check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform or go to spiritualgeekout.com.